All right. Looks like we're live. That's what YouTube's telling me, at least. So um, if somebody could type into the chat, yes, that you can hear me, just to verify my mic is working, that would be great. My name is Andrew Krauss. I'm one of the co-founders here at InventRight. Together with Stephen Key, we have been coaching and mentoring and all our amazing coaches and our whole team. Uh, we've been coaching and mentoring inventors to license their products to big companies for the last 23 years. We've had students in over 65 countries. And every Monday I jump on to do this Q&A. Today's theme is ideas or not enough. No, that's not me saying that your ideas aren't important or aren't good or anything like that. But ideas are not enough mean that basically what it means is you can have a great idea, but if you're not willing to do the work to license it, it's not enough. And what's great about licensing is you don't need to raise money. You don't need to start a business. You don't need to try to get distribution at retailers that really wouldn't want to give you the time of day with one product. You know, they're dealing with companies with 5,000 products, 500 products. Um, but you do need to do the work. So you don't need to do that. You don't need to start a business. Okay. But you do need to do the work to license it to one company that's then going to do all that for you. Okay. And if you think oh, I just have an idea and that's enough and I don't have to make any effort to try to license it, I don't have to learn anything beyond using my creativity to come up with a product or beyond throwing money at some patent attorney or making a prototype you are sorely mistaken. You do need to make efforts to do other things that you've never done before in order to license it so that big company can take it from here, okay? And so that's the theme today. Each time, each Monday we do this, we always do a theme in addition to answering the Q&A. So when I do a lot of the answers, um, I'll infuse this theme. And today's theme is ideas are not enough. And you know, it's just kind of already baked into what we're doing here because we're talking about all the action steps you need to take, all the things you need to do in order to license your product. So obviously you guys bothered to show up here to this Q&A, you know that you can't just have the idea. It's not just gonna all fall into place without making some sort of effort to try to license it. Okay, so um, I put a bunch of links into the chat. What did I put in here? I put in um, a link to our buyer's guide, which is just a bunch of our students that have licensed products. So. Um, if that's not proof that what we teach uh, works, I don't know what is. Um, I didn't put it up here, but you can, when you go to the site, you can check out our testimonial page too. But on this buyer's guide page, it's a link to um, a bunch of our students' products. We just kind of threw it together. It's not, you know, everybody by any means, because um, we have people that are selling industrial products or medical products that you can't just buy on Amazon. Um, but if you click on that link, you're going to see our students with products currently on the market you could buy today. We have people that have licensed stuff, you know, because we've been doing this 23 years. Maybe somebody licensed something 15 years ago and it's not in the market anymore. It wouldn't be on that list, um, nor is everybody up there. But it's kind of cool. It's it's cool. So if you want to support some InventRight students, some InventRight students, fellow inventors, by buying their product, that would be great. Um, and then I put the free resources page in the chat as well. So check that out. Sign up for that. That's amazing. Um, and then our new blog, Innovate This, you might want to check that out as well. Uh, and then I put up the Contact Us page. So if you'd like to talk to us, we have an amazing promotion here in May. You can see that on our website, so you can check that out. So let's just start jumping in here, answering some questions with the theme, ideas are not enough. Doesn't mean your ideas aren't good or it's, it's, they're not great, but it just means that you need to do the work to license them. That's what that means, okay? Um, so that'll be our theme for today. Mike said, who's a regular, Mikey, uh, if I get a no from someone in a company, should I contact another person in the same company? 
Uh, I love that question, Mike. That's a great question. Not only should you contact somebody else in the company, but you should, from the get-go, contact multiple people in the company. So our students will typically have, um, in most cases, there's always exceptions, 20 to 30 companies. And so let's say you have 30 and you're going to reach out to three, probably on LinkedIn just to get started, but you can do email and phone too on each company. So that's 90 people to reach out to. Oh, Andrew, that sounds daunting. I don't know if I can do that. Really? You can't copy and paste the template that we give you to show you to, to reach out to 90 people on uh, LinkedIn? I think you can. You definitely can. Um, and But most inventors are not. Very few inventors are doing that. Our students are doing it. So that's the reason why you see, you know, our students' products on the market now, you know. Um, my vision kind of goes back and forth, so I'll probably end up wearing these glasses the whole time. I'm getting used to it. It's new to me. Um, 53, it just started to hit me with the, with the vision on the reading on the computer. The vision on the reading. I sound like an old fart saying that. In combination with saying I'm 53 now, I got to work on that. Anyway, uh, Tony, so Mike, I love that question. So you should be reaching out to three or four at each company from the get-go. Now, once you get a hold of a person and gets back to you, oh, yeah, I'll take a look at it or whatever, don't reach out to more then. And then if somebody still gets back to you, then um, people are too timid. You know, one arm doesn't know what the other arm is doing. But once you get a hold of like Sally and she's like, yeah, send me your sell sheet. And then Bob emails you a day later. You say, oh, no, Bob, I, Sally got back to me first and I sent it to her. Um, you know, so thank you so much for getting back to me. But she said your team would be reviewing it. So be polite. Don't like uh, try to play multiple at the same time. But at the, until they say, yes, I'll take a look at it. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Send it to a, send it to a bunch of people in the same company. So great question, Mike. Uh, next question is from Tony. Tony says, if you have a useful functional novelty kitchen product with good wow factor, would it be best to hit up a large kitchen product manufacturer or DRTV asking, I'm asking due to the changing nature of DRTV. So yeah, if you have a kitchen product that has a lot of wow factor, um, I would be reaching out to both. It's very common in kitchen that you're gonna reach out to DRTV if it's applicable because yours is, because it is wow factor, because that's what they want. And then also kitchen product companies. So you have two lists. You have a list of DRTV companies and kitchen product companies. I know you've been talking a lot about DRTV. DRTV is just, guys, for those of you who are new, infomercial, as seen on TV, DRTV, which stands for direct response television. It's all the same crap. It's all the same thing. Um, and so I don't care if there's changes. I mean, if it has some wow factor, that's always good for DRTV. If you're okay with working with DRTV folks, reach out to them. So it's very common that I'll see particular products where I'm like, oh yeah, you could have a list of DRTV companies and a list of standard you know, kitchen companies as well. Um, so that's applicable. But just because we're talking about DRTV, people are like, oh, I got an automotive product, Andrew. I got a gardening product. Should I always be reaching out to DRTV? No, not really. Like you have to kind of figure out and understand if it's applicable for DRTV. Um, if it's demonstratable with video and that it's going to have some sort of real wow factor. But I don't think like, do our students, do they all evaluate like, should I send a DRTV to? Not really. I mean, if you have a kitchen product, you're reaching out to kitchen companies. If you have a pet toy, you're reaching out to companies selling pet toys. If you have an automotive aftermarket product, aftermarket product for four by fours, you're reaching out to companies to do that. It's pretty straightforward. Um, so. Anyway, but it is changing with DRTV. 
Uh, Travis said, thank you very much for selecting me as the winner in your contest. Yeah, we had this contest where, you know, in the links there that I put there for the buyer's guide member success page, um, uh, we gave away three of our students' products every week all last month. And I guess um, Travis was one of the winners. So that's great. That's great, Travis. Um, if you really like their product, you know, go on Amazon or wherever it's selling and write a review. Great product or whatever. Help out that inventor. Um, uh, Tony said, I mean, which type of company should I go for first? Okay, with regards to DRTV or kitchen. You know, if you if you have a kitchen product, and then you have the DRTV guys, they like to see it first. So if you're going to go with DRTV guys, I would go to them first and then go to the standard kitchen product companies. To me, I would just send everybody at the same time. But if you wanted to be conservative, I guess you could do that because they like to know that they're special, those DRTV people. Um, personally, I don't think they're that special. Um, I think they have issues. I think they can be a little sharky, but I think you can make up. A lot of money with DRTV, so it's worth uh, looking into. I'm speaking generically, you know, not by, about any particular company. Um, Dave Church said, and today's theme is ideas are not enough. We're basically saying you can't just have a good idea. You need to do the do the work, you know. So we're going to infuse that theme in here today. Um, Dave Church said, hi, Andrew, I have a product that is one piece, but more comp, but a more compact version and space saving for consumer would be four pieces. Which one should I pitch to companies? I, I don't have enough information, David, to make that decision. Um, if you've got two versions of it, sometimes you'll have, I saw I'll speak generically, but I can't tell you what you should do because I haven't seen your product. I, that's not enough information. But um, sometimes you'll have two different versions of the product. You'll be like, oh no, I got a list of companies over here for this version and a list over here because it's a different product or it serves a different distribution channel or a different consumer. Or it's you know, or it's uh, it's made differently, and the benefits are slightly different. So, um, so yeah, it might make sense to pitch that one version to one set of companies, another version to another set. But I can't give you a definitive answer, Dave, without seeing your product, of course. Um, let's see, uh, Jay, wonderful success. I saw this earlier. Uh, you know, and you sent us a email too. I I mean, you sent us a. Stephen, a message, I think. Hi, Andrew. I sent you an email last week. Last stream, you said it was okay to send you a short one, hoping you can reply soon. I haven't seen anything. I don't know what your email address is, but um, I never saw an email. I cleaned out my email this morning. So just forward it again. And, you know, that's that's common with anybody, especially when you're licensing. Oh, my God, you'll need to send things three or four or five or six times before a company will respond. So one of the most annoying things, and I'm not talking about you with me, but one of the most annoying things you can do with a company is asking, dropping them an email or a direct message saying, did you get my email? It's so freaking annoying to companies. They hate that. And I don't blame them. So when you are following up with somebody that didn't reply, forward that email and then say, hey, I sent this to you a week ago, just following up again, blah, 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 right? Um, so they can see that you sent it. To send somebody an email and not to attach what you want them to look at, say, did you get my prior email? It's just very disrespectful of their time. And I know they didn't get back to you, but don't don't ever don't ever do that. Always forward it so they can see the chain. And if you followed up with them four or five times, let them see that too. You know, if you've been appropriate, 
So they're like, oh, crap. And they feel guilty. Oh, God, I feel they'll say, oh, I saw, I'm so sorry for not replying to you. They can see that you, you sent in many emails. And this is not every day. This is maybe like one a week or something like that. Um, Derek said, it's been a while since I was able to make one of these. Thanks, Andrew. You're welcome, Derek. Um, I'm honored that anybody that would listen to me ramble, talk about licensing. Um, uh, Edgar and Jess said, hi, Andrew. Thank you for spending your time with us and sharing your industry experience. You're welcome. Uh, my two cents was just saying they can, you guys can hear me from earlier. I was asking if my mic was live. Um, Ed said, aloha. Glad I caught this one on time. Cool. All right, Ed. I don't know if you're in Hawaii. I'm assuming you do, or just saying aloha because it's something fun to say. Hassan, hi, Andrew. Um, okay, so Derek said, theoretically, if you were ta talking to two different companies at the same time with Paul to negotiate, would he work on both contracts at the same time for you? I know it's unlikely. I'm just curious. Absolutely. So Paul would help. It's normal. To, it's not unusual to get interest from multiple companies. To be at the final contract stage with four companies, that's probably pretty unusual. So the way that we approach licensing with our students is, first of all, when you get interest from one company, you don't stop calling more companies. There are always exceptions, but the vast majority of you, you don't. Because, and I've said this so many times, but guys, you don't, you don't see what we see on the back end. So this is a giant mistake that you can make. So you get interest from a company, you're all excited and people will tend to go, oh, these are my guys, I'm so excited. But what if you go back and forth with them two and a half months and you're not talking to any other companies and you're just sitting there anxiously like trying to get this licensing deal done. And okay, hopefully you're not going like this. But, <laughs> but and, uh, and they, after two and a half months, they're like, ah, we decided not to for whatever reason. You know, you had some talks back and forth. Oh, crap, okay. Now I gotta call you, then you get now, now after two and a half months, of wasted time, you're gonna reach out to a couple more companies and you get another one interested. Oh, okay. And you're like, okay, these are my guys. And again, you stop reaching out to companies and that one goes back and forth two months and they're like, nah, we decided we're not interested. Really? You guys wanna do that to yourselves? And you will. And unless we push you as students, our, our students, we push them, they're like, oh, it, the coach will talk to the student. You, you got to reach out to more companies, man. And so it's very normal for your coach at InventRight or a negotiation coach to be helping you with interest from multiple companies. Usually in the beginning, first of all, this thought that you go to a contract right away is completely inaccurate. Um, you're going to be going back and forth. And that is way more important than the contract. The back and forth via email and the back and forth on the phone way more important than the contract. That sets the stage for the contract. If you don't do that back and forth right. And so, you know, if you're like reaching out to 30 companies, it would be unusual for one of our students to get interest from two or three or four or five. And it doesn't, in the end, don't be all impressed by that. Um, they, you know, I, I don't really care how many show interest. I care what you have at the end of the day. If a company reached out to 30 companies, only one showed interest, but it was a great company and they did a deal with them, that's great. Now, if they reached out to, um, you know, 30 companies and five show interest and four fell off and you end up doing a deal with one, that's great too, okay? But you could string this whole thing out for like a year. If every time you got a little interest, you stop calling more companies, you're not playing that numbers game and you're just dragging it out and dragging it out, okay? And there's always exceptions. Um, and it's hard when it's like your favorite company. 
but you for the most part and this is generically but you should be keep you should keep on reaching out to more companies okay so um so could paul help one of our students um negotiate with two companies on a contract at the same time absolutely i'm just going to type back here to something here there you go All right, it was Steven texting me. I'm texting him back, actually. It's like, I'm live, dude. I'm on a, <laughs> doing a live Q&A here. He forgets. Um, he's a good guy, though. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, could we help you? Being at the final stage of a contract with multiple companies is very unusual. It's a good problem to have. Don't even think about it, okay? It's fine. It's It's totally fine. But at earlier stages where they'll send you a contract and you have multiple, that's not so unusual, getting all the way to the final, because sometimes that contract can go back and forth for quite some time. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. <laughs> My two cents. I asked ChatGPT about InventRight and got this replay. Okay. Well, this is... Oh. Invent, my two cents. Yeah, don't don't account on ChatGPT for facts. I'm shooting myself in the foot here because it's saying nice things about us, I guess. InventRight is a reputable company. This is what ChatGPT told my two cents. That's their handle. Um, is a reputable company that offers education and training on how to license product ideas to companies. They have a proven track record of success and have helped many inventors bring their ideas to market through licensing. Yeah, and I'm telling you don't trust ChatGPT. Well, you should on that, but you know, anyway. Um, you can't trust ChatGPT for facts, people. Um, Stephen and myself, we went to ChatGPT and and asked it some questions generally about licensing, and we were like, "Oh, this is some really good stuff." And then there was a bunch of stuff in there. It's like, "Oh my god!" Like if an inventor thought this was correct, it would really hose them up. So it, it came up with some really good stuff. But it'll literally, as Courtney said, one of our coaches did a, a webinar on ChatGPT. It'll literally make up facts that are incorrect. So to use it for brainstorming or to use it for different things to kind of guide you and think about things, but you gotta verify everything because it'll get facts wrong. You gotta be really careful. But thank you, that was fun <laughs> you put that in there. Um, today's theme again is ideas are not enough, which is basically just to say, guys, you can't just have an idea and not do anything else. An idea is not enough. You need to make the effort to license it. Okay, um, so Pete said, "Hi Andrew, if I'm if I we reach a marketing manager, should we still be asking who within the company to contact, or should we move directly to asking permission to send our sell sheet?" Yeah, if you so our whole approach is you're asking permission to send the sell sheet, and then once they say yes, then you send it. But to send it unsolicited is unprofessional. So I don't care if it's a salesperson or a marketing manager or if it's a smaller company, the CEO. But you always ask permission and then you send. So that's how that works, Pete. Um, Pete said, thank you for taking the time to do this every week. You are welcome. Uh, why does everybody ask so many questions about DRTV companies? I, I, I really don't think they're the best place to license. They're a good place to license, but you're right. They're changing a lot. And I don't know. I think there's this get rich quick kind of aspect to DRTV, which was true in the past. I don't think it's really true anymore. And I think that's why people like the As Seen on TV folks. But uh, Cognitive Dissident is their handle. 
do DRTV companies work with licensing just ideas or do they want products that are already manufactured? Um, they do, but a lot of them do want something that's a little bit more complete or not that complicated for them to execute. They're, they tend to be a little bit more picky than companies that are in a space, like they're doing kitchen products. So yeah, we can make that, okay? Where DRTV company go, well, we don't know how to make that, blah, blah, blah. So they're not, um, because they do a lot of products in a lot of different areas, I do find they're a little bit more picky with how far they want you to be along. Um, but uh, we got we're right up here, uh, right here, Wolf Washer 360, one of our coaches licensed to a DRTV company. He had a really crude prototype. So, you know. Um, so yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, you know, Paul's just mentioning other, you know, like DRTV company, it's not, not DRTV, but um, invention promotion companies and how we don't charge as much. Yeah, and we do, in my biased opinion, like 100 times for you, good stuff. That's a really crude way of saying it. We do lots of good stuff for you, but we do 100 times more work than invention promotion companies do, and we charge a fraction of the price. I agree, Paul. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, thank you. John was saying, hey, don't remem rem remember to give Andrew a thumbs up. If I could get a thumbs up, it really helps us with the YouTube algorithm. And whether if you're watching the replay or watching the live stream right now, um, please, I, only about half of the amount of people that are on that have given me a thumbs up. So I'd appreciate that. It really helps out. They really pay attention to it. The, they, the al YouTube algorithm does, and then they show us to more people or what have you. Um, yeah, anyway, I can't comment on people commenting on other in, like invention promotion companies. We're the antithesis of an invention promotion company. Invention promotion companies are like, you know, you could have a lump of coal, they're going to tell you it's great. They say, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we could help you license that and uh, we'll do all the work. You don't have to do anything. And they just, they want 10 or 12 grand from you. And I literally haven't met an inventor in the 23 years I've been doing InventRight and the 14 years I did my inventor association that has ever licensed a product that way. But we at InventRight talk to people that are licking their wounds from a decade ago or a couple of years ago that signed up with an invention promotion company, didn't do anything for them. And they're like, well, you guys are the real deal. I'm ready to do the work now. They're kind of like, well, I wasn't, well, I didn't know about you guys. I didn't know that somebody could actually guide me to do this. And um, and it sounded good to me, like some company's gonna do it for me. They're gonna license it for me. I mean, when you license to a big manufacturer, they are gonna do it for you, but you need to know how to approach them with good marketing and the right list of companies and how to do a licensing deal. And, you know, and then you gotta file your intellectual property. We give our students some software called Smart IP so they can file a provisional for $60. Um, so you need to know how to do these things. But these other companies, these invention promotion companies say, oh, we'll do all that for you. You don't have to do any. And it never goes anywhere, people. You know, and I can't mention any particular companies, of course, but I've never met an inventor that likes a product like that. Look, page up in the chat here to that um, uh, member success page, and you'll see countless people that have licensed products, you know, with us. So um, it's very doable, but you need to be willing to do the work, which is the reason for the, the theme today, which ideas are not enough. You, you have to be willing to do the work. Um, uh, Vladimir said, is it a good idea to start licensing negotiations during the summer holiday season? It doesn't freaking matter. Okay, guys, there's people ask us every, every in the States, uh, Vlad, Vladimir, I don't know if you're in the States or somewhere else, but um, every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, ah, uh, you know, 
I don't know, Andrew, should I be reaching out now? It's getting close to Thanksgiving or Christmas. I'm like, what? I said, dude, I've, I've had people like talk to companies like a couple days before Christmas. Um, so here's the way it works during the holidays. And then I'm just going to apply that to Vladimir's question, which is the summer season. Like he's kind of wondering, should I be trying to license in the summer? And the answer is you should be trying to license 24 seven, 365 days a year. Okay. Um, so, and I, I basically during uh, holidays here in the States, um, you know, a few people might not pick up or respond, but other people are actually more paying more attention. Maybe they got their feet up on the desk and they're, they're willing to talk to you a little bit more. So I see it as a wash. A few people might be on vacation. They're not responding, but then other people are a little bit more friendly. You know, you, you'll get that friendly one that will tuck your ear off, be a little more whimsical during the holiday because they're getting some time off. Oh, I'll talk to this inventor. This looks interesting. You know, so to me, it's a wash. So you should be trying to license 24 7, 365 days a year. I don't care if it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or summer. It makes no freaking difference. Okay. Now, the things that do make a difference are like, let's say there's a big industry trade show and you're trying to reach out to them like two days after the trade show and they're traveling back and they, that's relevant. But you can't be overthinking that. If you think about it and you analyze it, you just won't do it. You know, and so, but if you've been in an industry, let's say you're in um, the super zoo, the pet trade show industry is coming up in August. So let's say you've been inventing and you're inventing your third, fourth product, pet product, you know, like a pet toy or something, right? And you know when super zoo is, you should, if you, this is the fourth pet product you're working on. Are you reaching out the day after super zoo? Yeah, probably not. But is it going to hurt you? Because you're going to do multiple follow-ups, five, six follow-ups anyway. No, like, let's say you didn't know that and it was your first product your first time working on a pet product, like don't even think about it. Just don't think about it. You know, all these little tips that we give sometimes and mentioning, you know, um, but let's say you're in a gar, uh, a seasonal gardening product, right? And you're gonna typically work in a lot of seasonal gardening products. You might start to notice trends and when their particular companies are looking for those products. And you might, but just reach out any time of year. They will tell you like, oh, I'm not looking for anything for this year yet it'd be for next but if they're interested in your product doesn't matter when that's that's the thing it doesn't matter if it's a seasonal product it doesn't matter if it's the right time like if they're intrigued by your product enough it doesn't matter so i love that i love that question who is that from um who asked that great question let's see oh yeah it was vladimir thank you vladimir um all right so yeah, if I could get a few more thumbs up, that would be great. Otherwise, I'll do my usual arm fold and I'll just sit here and not answer any more questions. No, just kidding. But yeah, if you guys could give me some more thumbs up there, that'd be great. If you're not subscribed, subscribe down below. Okay. Um, I got to figure out a new way to make that to make that joke to get more thumbs up. Is there really? I think there's a... Okay, there we go. Got a couple. Um, let's see... Yeah, a cognitive dissonance was just saying ChatGPT needs to be trained on certain subject matter. OpenAI is very general. Yeah. Um, okay, my two cents says if you have a new engine design, oh, sounds hard, and can prove it works, that is, um, working on games and you have to prove that it's fun, that's a bit more difficult and make sure it's cost effective. 
Okay. Oh, he's trying to say that games are harder than a new engine. No, I don't think so. But, you know, my two cents, you're, you are right that, you know, quite often you're selling a benefit like, you know, this kitchen cutting board will make it easier to chop vegetables and dispose of the, the waste in your garbage disposal or whatever the product is. You could talk about the benefits. But when you have a game or a toy, sometimes you don't have like specific benefits. It's the fun. You're selling the fun. You know, you're making it look fun. You're selling the fun. You know, you know, if you got a few friend or family members, you just take a little quote and you make it where they expressed how it was fun. You know, um, you don't have to say it's a family member, but it could be a quote, you know, first name, last initial or something. It was a family member. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit more difficult. You got to sell fun. Right. Absolutely. And uh, that's not always easy uh, selling fun. And uh, but our coaches help our students with addressing that. And making sure that it, it's it's it it is fun. I mean, like you're not gonna make a sell sheet that is like cold with like blue and white, like you'd use for a medical device. And or I've seen people do like a serious product, and it's all in these like primary colors. And it's like that looks like a kid's product, like with the colors used. So you need help with that. And our design department does that, and our coaches help with that. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard making something look fun sometimes. It's a challenge. I can't really comment specifically because you got to look at the product and then you go through the process. But once you've been, if you've been working on toys for a while or games for a while, you start to know, you start to get a formula for for marketing fun, right? And you can look at other what other people are doing. This goes for any category and show how they're presenting the fun, right? Um, don't try to like recreate the wheel. Um, Mike Davis said, okay, gotta go. See you later, Mike. You probably said that a while ago. Um, Patricio, hi, I suffer from, uh, I don't know what that means. Hi, I suffer from Inacion, and it's based on my lack of conviction that I could start and see my idea being realized Oh, inaction, I think is what it was. For some reason, it changed it. Maybe it was autocorrection. I suffer from inaction, and it's based on my lack of conviction that I could start and see my idea be realized into a product. Well, I don't know. If you just need motivation, I mean, regardless whether or not you get our coaching, Patricio, but just go up in the chat and click on that member success. And if you, if that's not enough validation that people license their products, at least our students do all the time, I don't know what is. So if you need to be able to see it, to believe that it works, then take a look at that. And that's regardless of whether or not you get our coaching or get help from somebody else, but that should be uh, social proof and validation that, that licensing works. So check that out. But I appreciate you saying that because if you're always kind of like doubting, 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 you know, then you really aren't, you're just gonna move forward in kind of a half-assed way. You gotta really believe that it could be done and then you need somebody to tell you the right way to do it. Just believing is not enough either. You got to take the right actions, right? Um, a roldrin, a roldrin is their handle. They have a funny little icon there. Um, on the toy side of things, have you heard any accounts where companies look forward to back-end opportunities in reinvesting a potential IP that can offer broader product lineup versus one-off ideas? Okay, that was a really wordy question. Reinvesting in potential IP that can offer broader. Okay, so are companies interested in entire product lines? Yes, absolutely. Um, but 
but in reinvesting a potential IP, I don't know what that means. That I mean, you've got a patent that can offer broader lineup versus one-off ideas. So if you just have a patent and you believe it's going to apply to a broader lineup, absolutely, I think they're interested. Is that a harder deal to close? Yeah, because you're asking to launch a whole line. Um, we had a, a Canadian that lived in the Yukon. He licensed an entire line of like eight or 10 camping products. They just showed him one. They're like, what else you got? And they're like, what else you got? They're like, show us everything. And they're like, we went on the whole line. We They started a whole... Um, a whole new um, line, basically. I was going to say division. It was a division because they're already doing camping products, but it's a whole new line. Um, so that is doable. That's not typical or normal, and you need to be careful about overwhelming them with with everything. Um, but if that is your approach, I, I can't know without looking at the specifics. You could show them the potential. You could show them a product, show them the potential. Um, you got to be careful in how you do that so they don't get overwhelmed. But yeah, it's a possibility. Absolutely. Um, Oh, okay. Well, geez, Mike, you don't. <laughs> Mike's like all upset. You're the one that said, ask me anything. And you pass over the question that shows me the real you, exclamation mark. Um, Mike, I don't know what you mean. Um, I don't see a question from you. Sometimes people type questions in and I'm like, I don't see a question. So Mike, like he took off. I don't see I missed a question from you, Mike. Um, you just wrote, okay, gotta go. I think maybe you're just joking around. Um, yeah, Mike, I didn't see you had typed in the question, so I can't answer a question that you didn't type in. Sometimes I'll skip over people, but I didn't skip over a single person. So um, uh, Pete says, so if I'm contacting a marketing manager or the equivalent, I wouldn't ask them who within the company I should be speaking with. Um, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying, Pete. You know, sometimes you kind of know it's the right person, but you can ask who's the right person that I could be speaking with. And they're like, oh, that's me. So if you define it, so that is a technique that you can use. Now I'm understanding a little bit more what you said. Um, no, you can you can do that. Um, and I think that is a good approach. So because then they, you're giving a person in the company an opportunity to say, no, that's me, or to push you off onto somebody else, but they can give you the right person. So yeah, that's a great way to approach it. So um, the theme today, guys, and I'll wait for you guys to type in some more questions here. If you most of everybody's giving me a thumbs up. I really appreciate that. Um, is ideas are not enough. So it doesn't matter how great your idea is. You're, it's kind of like an artist. If you're an artist, let's say you do paintings or sculptings, and they're in your garage. And if you just leave that painting or that sculpture in your garage, nobody can ever buy it. They can't buy it and put it in their halls in their house. They can't, it can't be ever put into a museum. It can't go anywhere. So inventors are like product artists, you know, and a lot of inventors are very uncomfortable with the outreach. But just like artists for artwork, when you're a product artist, when you're an inventor and you're looking to license, you're only as good as the outreach that you make. And your product is only as good as the outreach you make, you know. Um, so if you're not reaching out to companies, you know, and that is one of the reasons why our students are successful. You know, I said earlier that our students are typically reaching out to 20, 30, 40, 50 companies. 20 or 30 is more common. And as I always said before, hey, if you really looked and you still only have 12, fine. But people all the time that are not invent right students, they think they only have two or three. I look at I look at it and I'm like, no, you don't. You have like I, right right off the bat, I can see you have like 30. I know, you know. Um, so, and then. 
as as Mike said earlier, if one person doesn't respond, should I reach out to others? And I'm like, and it was a great question. I'm like, uh, not only should you reach out to more than one, but you should be doing that from the get-go. But then once you have that person that said, yeah, I'll take a look at it. Now they're your Superman or Superwoman. Somebody else gets back to you that you'd already been reaching out to. Say, oh, I, I got a hold of Sally. And she said, I can take a look at it. So I don't want to bother multiple of you. I can send it to you if you want to look at it too. But Sally already said she'd show it around. And so that's a good problem to have. But when you realize that being successful is more about doing that and reaching out to all those companies, having a great sell sheet, great list of companies than your product. It, and I've said this before, if inventors are horses, which you're not, but if inventor was horses and I got this inventor, well, this is a really cool idea. And they're half-assing the effort and reaching out. And then I got another inventor who's the other horse. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's a slight improvement. It kind of makes sense. And and they're really pushing it out. But it's not mind-blowing. They, I would say I'm going to put my money to win on this inventor that had a so-so idea that really pushed out over the inventor that had a killer idea that is half-assing the push out. So what what is half-assing a push out? Um, reaching out to two or three companies, having a terrible marketing presentation, um, reaching out to the wrong companies, not reaching out to multiple people in the same companies, not saying the right things when you're reaching out. All these things, it doesn't matter how great your product is. If you're not doing these things, you'll never license your product. And most inventors are doing all this stuff wrong. So we just help people do it right. We help people invent right. You know, I don't usually use that because it sounds cheesy, but that's why we named our company Invent Right, because most inventors are just inventing wrong. Um, and most people are just making it up. Well, I had an idea. I got to get a patent, right? It's like, well, who told you that? Who told you the first thing you do is get a patent? You study the marketplace. That's your first thing. Who told you you need a full utility patent? You know, who told you that? Well, Uncle Bob did. Well, what the frick does Uncle Bob know? You know, I mean, when when you when you file a provisional patent for 60 bucks, it gives you a whole year to fish off the pier. Did anybody tell you that? No. Well, you heard about it from InventRight. You might hear about it from some, some other folks. But then somebody needs to tell you too, like, I don't care how good of a job you did that provisional patent that you filed on your own. Great. You only spend 60 bucks. Maybe use their software, which is only 99 bucks, the smart IP software. You filed it. Well, that's great. Nobody's going to look at it if your sell sheet's no good or if you're not reaching out to enough companies or if you're not getting all those no's in order to get to the yes. So that's why the theme today is ideas are not enough because they just aren't. You need more than an idea. You need that to make that effort. And that's really hard to do. You, we, we need to all acknowledge that that's hard to do, to go from just dreaming up ideas to actually reaching out on them. You know, And it's scary, but when you have somebody to hold your hand, it's not so scary. And that's what we do here at InventRight. Whether it's our $29 a month membership, which you can find on our website, which doesn't include personal coaching, of course, or our premium program where we're holding your hand, talking to you all the time, email support, talking every week, our negotiation coach waiting in the wings, whatever you're doing, you need to do it right. And you need to do it. And coming up with an idea is not doing it. Doing it is working on all the 10 steps that we teach people to do in order to license it. So, and that's that's the big, big difference. Um, uh, Pete said, so if I'm contacting a marketing manager or the equivalent, I wouldn't ask them who within the company I would be speaking with. Okay, you already answered that one. Um, Pete says, do you have any insight into the ease or difficulty of licensing in the pool accessory industry? I think that's a good a good industry. 
I'm always, I live, I live in Henderson, Nevada, which is right next to Vegas. And the sun is just brutal here. And all the plastic and all my pool stuff just breaks down, but it's not usually that bad everywhere. But the UV index is like crazy, crazy here. So I'm always upset at the quality, but maybe, you know, people just don't want to pay more, but then I keep buying that same stuff again. But anyway, there's a lot of opportunity, both in pool equipment and then also pool toys for kids. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. We've had people work on stuff in that space. So I think the pool accessory industry is fantastic. I think it's a great industry. And I think there's, as a consumer that has a pool, I kind of wish I didn't because it's a pain in the ass to take care of. Because um, I take care of my own pool and the pool guys, they can't, they're no good in my opinion. But um, I'm sure there's some great pool guys out there. I just haven't had them. And I'm like, oh, he's going to do it myself. But I can tell you from a consumer standpoint, I think there's a lot of opportunity there um, for, for things. Um, I talked to an old friend of mine that came visit me at the house and he was working with a guy that a company, they were venturing a product that would automatically release the pool chemicals like an automatic system. This is all public. So they're a public company and they're selling this product. But I thought that was really cool. I'm like, yeah, I need that because I'm lazy about getting in there and do, putting the chemicals in the pool. Um, my two cents says yesterday, a friend told me she had a food flavoring idea slash product. Is that a good industry? Um, no, food, food is hard. Food is hard, guys. Um, the major companies, like let's say a craft or something, like good, good luck. You know, but there are smaller food and, and I, I'm gonna, it's not a food, but like supplement companies that are, are approachable and you can get to them. But intellectual property can be a little bit tough with food. Um, also I've always found it funny, like, oh, I want to send you a sample. Like I'm not eating food from a random stranger that they mailed me, you know? Um, but so they're going to want to talk to you before they're going to eat something you send. But so I think it's possible. I think it's a hard, I think it's harder. If somebody says, I got this consumer product or I have a food product and I, which one should I work on Andrew? I'd say the consumer product, but it's, it's, it's doable to, um, work on a food flavoring idea slash product. Sometimes there's a difference between somebody being able to do it in their kitchen and then having the right chemicals. I hate to use the word chemicals because I like eating healthy, but having the right, being able to mass manufacture it is very different than what you can do in the kitchen. And one doesn't always translate to the other. But people don't realize that sometimes. So you have to look at manufacturing processes. Um, maybe there's a formulation. Maybe you were able to make it work with stuff in your kitchen, but you'd never do that on a mass level, um, or maybe not. So it it can be. Um, it it definitely is more difficult to do a food product than a standard consumer product. Yes, I can confirm that. Is it doable? Yes. Should you do it? Really depends on the product. You know, uh, it really depends on the product. And we're not going to publicly disclose what people are working on here. Um, so uh, ideas are not enough. And what is enough? Realizing that your idea is maybe about 10% of the work. People don't want to admit that. Maybe 15. Maybe I give you 15, right? Um, people come to us all the time. Oh, I'm really far along. And we, we, we hate to hear that because it's rarely true. And it shows a certain... Um, resistance to learning anything new. I'm really far along. I just need somebody to close a deal, right? And so what do we hear when we, people say I'm really far along? It, it depends on the person. 
but sometimes it's like I made a prototype and I spent 10,000 on the patent attorney. I'm like, okay, well, don't do that again. Don't spend 10,000 on the patent attorney. Spend $60 filing a provisional patent yourself. Okay. Um, and then, oh, I got a prototype. I'm like, okay, do you have a marketing piece you can send companies? Do you have your list of companies? Do you have, do you know how to reach out to companies? You know how to negotiate licensing deals? Do you know how to make a, a endless, do endless follow-ups like three, four, five, six, seven, eight times before they get back to you? Do you know how to do all that? You know, or people go, oh, I'm good. I got a sell sheet too. And I look at it and it's just terrible. It's terrible. A lot of inventors think their marketing is good and it's, it's, it's so extremely poor. I, I worry that if people reach out to 30 companies with such poor marketing materials that they completely wasted their time and they do. So our advice is to reach out to 30 companies, but with good marketing materials that are going to do the selling for you, not confusing marketing materials that instantly put you into the amateur camp. So one of the mistakes people make is to think that I filed a patent and or did a prototype, therefore I'm really far along. That's not even remotely far along. That's like a tiny little side note. Okay. Now, with that said, if you made a prototype of this new engine, it was pretty complicated. Okay, crap, you, you did a lot, okay? So it really depends. And so um, I'm not saying making a prototype if it's necessary, which most of the time it isn't, isn't beneficial. And that's not something to be proud of, it is. But that doesn't mean you're really far along. What it means is I have still have no freaking idea on how I'm gonna license this thing. I have no idea how to approach companies or to make my list of companies or to make the right companies or what a good marketing piece looks like, blah, 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 blah. I have no idea how I would communicate with companies if they showed interest. And so that's why people that have made a prototype and filed a patent and done nothing else are not really far along. If somebody said, I've licensed three products before and I know how to license, I'd say you're really far along. But there's, if you don't know how to license, you're not really far along ever, you know? Um, so let's see who else we got here. Uh, Dave Church, your $29 a month program, could I use that? And then when I get the contract phase, could I get Paul to walk me through and do the offer separately? Yes, you can. But here's the thing. The outreach to the companies is very, very important. If you're not doing that right. Now, the $29 a month program, that's going to give you trainings on how to reach out and even templates and all that cool stuff. But you're going to do something wrong. So if you have coaching, you're, you're, the coach is like, oh, that sell sheet sucks, or those are the wrong companies, or, oh, they said that? Well, you're not, no, no, I wouldn't say that back, you know? So, um, yeah, you absolutely could do that. But I, what we found is people that follow our steps, um, if they're not doing it right, they don't get to a negotiation. They're like, oh, I'll call you when I get in a deal, and I never hear back from them. But our students are doing deals all the time because they got help to get into a deal. So a lot, but you, yeah, David, if you're like really, really together and you're really, really paying attention to the trainings and, you know, could you then sign up to get help from Paul in the negotiations? Yes. But I'm just being honest. People need to do the right things to get to that point. And this is having seen it over the last 23 years. Um, uh, my two cents, are there legal hurdles in the food industry? He asked a question about food earlier. You have to jump through to get a deal. Yeah, it's just, it's tough to get intellectual property in the food industry, you know? Um, but you can do it. There's You can do formulations or method of manufacturing or things like that. But they're just, you know, it's just going to be harder. It's just going to be harder. Um, uh, yeah, you know, Jay Wonderful Success, I think messages are getting deleted on here. 
I sent a question on this chat and it disappeared. Maybe that's what happened with Mike's question as well. Yeah, because Mike got upset and didn't answer his question. I'm the only person that has access to this. So um, unless Steven's daughter, who has access to this too, helps us with her YouTube show, is deleting comments, which I'm sure she isn't. Um, I don't think anybody's deleting anything. Uh, I, I think I would see that it was deleted. So I think it's just a bug with YouTube maybe. I'm so sorry if some of you are typing questions and it's not getting through. That is really odd. I've never had that happen before. Let me see if I click on these three dots. Community moderation. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not moderating it. I didn't, I didn't delete anything. So anyway, thank you, Jay Wonderful, for mentioning that. Uh, Aroldrin earlier asked a question, says, perhaps reinvest is a poor choice of words. Maybe being receptive or open-minded to create a brand, should it be worthwhile beyond the basic product? Um, yeah, that's interesting. So, I mean, a company you license to, they have their brand. They have their brand image, right? But sometimes companies that have their brand, they also have multiple brands under their brand for different product lines, right? Um, but, and sometimes inventors are so excited about their brand, their brand. If you get too excited about it and you're not flexible, well, shit, you could have licensed that product to them, but they saw you were so obsessed with your brand and they didn't see that you were flexible in changing the brand name and the branding and the look and stuff that they didn't, they're like, oh, this person is like their baby. They don't want to make that change. But as long as you don't come across like that, you can show them your vision for it. But, you know, if, if everything is under their brand, I would be careful about that. Now, if they have their brand, but then they have different brands under it and you're like, this is how you could brand it and it makes sense for them, that's fine. Um, yeah, they also, you also said, I definitely wouldn't want to overwhelm anybody with an entire collection from the get-go. Yes, you do not. You want to make a relationship with them first. That was great. Um, Snyder Tool says, 20K a month in sales from an idea. Okay, question mark. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, is that gross? Is that the royalties you're earning? Um, I mean, if that's the royalties you're earning, then um, that would be pretty damn good. Would that be 240K? Uh, no, wait. At 200, yeah, 240K. Yes, I can add uh, 240,000 in royalties a year. But maybe you're just talking about 20K in sales that they're doing a month, then you get a royalty on that. Um, you know, it, sometimes our, our students do a deal. So the really big company ends up being great royalties. And sometimes you couldn't get the big companies interested. And you, you're dealing with a medium size or a smaller company. And you're like, well, a small deal is better than no deal at all. Right. And so the royalties can vary tremendously. So, um, Snyder, I, I don't know. Uh, let's see. My monthly sales. Okay. Well, Snyder, uh, if your monthly sales are 20K, that's great. You're a small company. But if you license that instead of selling it yourself to a big company, I mean, like we had a company on recently and they have 5,000 SKUs. They have 5,000 different products. Okay. So 20K a month for them in sales for a particular product. If, if that's just on one product, I would say even for a big company, that's not that's not a terrible failure. Um, but some of these companies, the volume they can do would be, would be huge. So um, yeah, you gotta ask yourself if that's what you're doing. You're saying that's your monthly sales. Um, shit, you know, and you're like, well, but I have limited distribution. You look at it and you're like, oh, well, if I license a big company, and they're selling half a million units a year, and I was getting this royalty, 
it would add up to this amount because that's just your gross. That's not money you're making, right? That's not money you're netting. And so you can run the numbers if you're venturing. You know, it's just a chat. So I'm making a lot of assumptions about where you are with things. But let's say you're venturing it and you're like, oh, geez, I'd be earning a lot more money if I licensed it to a big company. And then I don't have to run the business and deal with everything I need to deal with. Um, sometimes people think, if I license this to a big company, you know, if I if I do it myself, well, I could get a 20% profit margin. Now, why would I want to license that big company for a five or eight percent royalty? And and I'm like, okay, you know, you know how hard it is to get distribution? I mean, it seems like Snyder did okay with it, but it's very, very hard. He can tell you how hard it is if that's what he's done or she. Um, so if you're doing all that work. And you're getting a 20% profit margin and you're selling 100 units a month where this big company is going to sell half a million. Let's say you're getting 5% royalty. You run the numbers. So that's what you do. You run the numbers to see if you want to do a deal with this particular company or that particular company. But for the most part, you've qualified them because you know they're in these major big retailers that you want to be in. Right. You know, they're qualified there. So Snyder, if you are venturing um, Amazon sales. OK, great. So the question is, could you license this to, Snyder said he's doing, selling on Amazon. So, you know, if, if you were at the bigger company than you, what could you do? And whenever people are venturing, I say, you know, go shopping, see if you could try to license it. And if they can't offer you more than what you're doing now, then don't do the deal. But what, maybe what if he's going to earn five times as much of the bigger company licensing? He doesn't need to run the business anymore. He doesn't need to manufacture anything, doesn't need employees, doesn't need people complaining about distribution or, you know, delivering their products or customer complaints or reviews or any of that. So, um, so today's theme is ideas are not enough. Um, so that, you, you know, you need to do more than just have an idea. You need to jump into the, all this stuff that we teach you to do. So if you haven't checked it out, check out more of our videos on, on YouTube here and go into the links if you page up in the chat um, to our free resources page. Make sure to check that out. And if you are looking for coaching, we have an incredible um, uh, promotion this month. Normally, like if we do a promotion, we'll give away one thing. We're giving away four things this month. I don't know if we're going to be ever doing that again, but it's pretty cool. So check that out. Um, uh, Pete said, is displaying your sell sheet layout horizontally an issue? Um, it can look okay. I, I really wouldn't, Pete. I would do it vertically because it just fits well in email and the horizontal can get cut off and then it's smaller. I We don't do sell sheets horizontally. We do them all vertically in portrait. Um, but I can't say that it doesn't make sense occasionally. If it looks great, I think it's fine. But there are some issues with that. Um, Margie said, hi, Andrew, if we get permission to send our sell sheet to a person, then after we do, we hear nothing, even after reaching out four or five times, can we reach out to someone else in the company to send? Absolutely. If people trip out on this, they're like, you reach out, ask permission to send your sell sheet, and then you keep reaching out and they're not responding. And, and I get, our students of ours get really upset about that. I'm like, that's still the normal. Just because you got a hold of them once, they said, send it to me, and now they're still not responding. Uh, don't expect like, oh, now I have this great like relationship. They just direct message or emailed you back, say, yeah, send it to me. So um, absolutely, I would reach out to somebody else in the company. Four or five times is getting a, a number that is recent, that is decent. I would still follow up with them 
um, every couple weeks to see if they can get back. But maybe it's the way you're following up, Margie. Maybe you're doing it great. Maybe you're not resending it so they can see that you followed up with them and you're reattaching the sell sheet. Maybe let's just say you weren't doing that. You probably are, but you weren't. I would be irritated as a marketing manager. It's like, why are they telling me to search for another email? Why don't they just put it all in the same email again? You know, and okay, great. I didn't get back to you, but I don't have time for this. Um, so make it really easy for them. I talked about that earlier. Uh, <laughs> my two cents. If you don't want to wear your eyeglasses, maybe you went to a lower resolution on your computer monitor or just type would be bigger. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I like the high resolution. I think that's part of the problem, my two cents. Um, uh, okay. So thank you for, for the nice comments, guys. We're going to wrap up here in a few minutes. If you guys want to type in any any kind words or unkind words for me, um, hopefully kind words. Yeah, I don't know what Mike was talking about earlier with um, not being able to, you know, see. I, I didn't see his, his, and nobody is in here deleting anything because you guys obviously can't delete other people's posts. So um, it, was there anybody, if you want to type in now, I don't think there is. If you want to type in now, hey, yeah, I asked a question. You didn't get to it. So please type it in there. I'm not going to be able to answer it because we're going to need to wrap up, but just type in, yes, I did. And I don't think you saw it. Um, but cause I don't, um, I don't see that I missed any anyway. Margie said, thanks, Andrew. I always use the reply button on my Gmail, which includes all the previous emails. That's great, Margie. Yeah. Make it, let them show, show them that you've been sending them a bunch of, of messages and reattach the cell sheet. If you're sending it again, that you want them to see, Sounds like you're doing great in that area. So I want to remind you guys to take care, keep inventing. Make sure to go to inventright.com and check out our May promotion. It's pretty amazing. And, and then if you go on our all services page, you can check out more about that $29 program too, which is a month to month program with no coaching. So if you want to educate yourself on the InventRight 10 steps and you need more than a YouTube show, but you're not ready for coaching, that might be a great way to to go people love that and it's just month to month so you could do a month and then cancel it if you decide you didn't like it so make sure to check that out and you can find that at inventright.com on our all services page all right guys i'm gonna head out take care keep inventing and we'll catch up with you next time see you guys bye